We've been talking a little bit this week about Memorial Day and talking with Pastor Bill, and I, I was sharing with Corey some things, and we're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 17 today, and we're going to read some scriptures in just a second. But uh, as, as I began to, to listen to Pastor Bill and, and the things that he had to say about this country and about Memorial Day and the freedoms that we have, and Corey as well, as we began to talk about it, I, I began to realize that as the generations have, have, have gone down, uh, there are less and less people affected by war. There are less and less of people affected by the death of a serviceman or a servicewoman in in service to the country. There were a million people that were either killed or injured in World War II. Four hundred and some thousand of them died. And in that day, when when everybody came home, you, you had connection with the people who didn't come home. You either knew somebody who knew them or was related to them or you were related to them or you knew them. I mean, it it really hit home. And as the years have progressed, war has changed a little bit. And I'm not saying one life is more than the other or worth more. I'm not not saying that because death is death. And if you've lost a loved one, it doesn't matter if it was was in Iraq, Afghanistan, or if it was on the beaches of Normandy. I mean, that's, it's still loss. But but I think from the perspective of each younger generation, we have to be careful because we're, we're losing track or we're losing... We're, we're, we're losing focus on why we have the freedom that we have. You know, when my grandfather came back, you know, from World War II, my grandfathers, uh, they, were, they both understood the sacrifice that was made. The people in this country understood the sacrifice that was made for the freedom to be won, both on that side of the pond and on the, the other side of the pond as well. And, and it meant something. It was real. And so when they talk about Memorial Day or when they would honor the soldiers and Veterans Day or the freedom that we have in this country, July 4th, there was always, a, 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 it seemed like, a, a really large excitement and anticipation for what was going to go down in that time and great honor and respect. And I'm not saying we've lost it through the generations, but I think we've lost, we've lost touch with the sacrifice that it took. And, and really, I think we've lost touch of the cause. You know, there, there is a cause. There is a price for freedom, like I said earlier, and advancement. And that, there's a sacrifice for that. And, and, and it, there is a cost. And, and if you're going to propagate the cause, you have to sacrifice your life. And we're going to read here today in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the title of the message is, Is There a Cause? You know, there was a cause. Uh, we know there was a cause in the Old Testament. There seemed to be a cause in the New Testament with Jesus. There seems to be a cause for us as a church. There, there was cause for us to win freedom and independence from Britain. There was cause for us to, to fight in World War I and World War II and, and all these other conflicts. There, there, was, there was a cause. And I'm going to talk about the cause today and, and, and three or four things that, that stood out to me as I began to read this passage. When I was talking to Corey this week, the first thing I heard was, give me a man so that we may fight. And the second thing that I heard just in my spirit was that, that thing that David said. He said, is there not a cause? And then I began to study this and read this, and I want to share this with you today. In verse 8, it says that Goliath, he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and the the children of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And in verse 20 it says, And David rose early in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper. 
He took the things that he had, and he went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight the battle, and they were shouting. And then it goes in verse 21, and it says, For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the keeper, and he ran to the army, and he came and he greeted his brothers. Not just his brothers in arms, but his brothers. Then he said, then as he talked to them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words that he had spoken earlier, and David heard them. So it wasn't just a second-hand knowledge. David heard the things that Goliath was saying, not just against the children of Israel, but against God. And it goes on, and it says in verse 24, and then all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Not much different than verse 11. So in verse 25, it says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give him his father's house exemption, give, the, give him and his father's house exemption from taxes. Amen. The IRS can't touch your stuff. That's, that's good news. In verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, And he said, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him and said in this manner, so it shall be for the one who kills him. Yep, you're going to get a lot of stuff if you take him out. And in verse 28, it says, Eliab, that is his older brother. His older brother heard when David had spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against him. And he said, why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep? Not with whom have you left your entire flock and your great business of all of the sheep that you have. Who did you leave your little pieces or little few or two or three sheep with? You little measly, no good little brat, why are you here? kind of what he said because he goes on then and he says i know your pride and i know your insolence for you have come down just to see the battle he didn't speak to david he spoke to his he thought he spoke to david's motives the motives of his heart were to come see a slaughter that wasn't his heart and david said back to his brother in verse 29 what have i done now tells me that they they have been on him before Remember, they didn't invite him to the, to the anointing ceremony. When Samuel had come to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, all the brothers came, but they didn't invite David. They didn't think enough of him to bring him to that because they just assumed it would be one of the bigger or stronger or, or better brothers than him. And after Solomon had gone through all the brothers, or Samuel had gone through all the brothers, he said, you have anybody else? Because it's not any of these guys. And they said, well, we've got this little runt guy out here in the woods. He's just, he's just a little shepherd, but, I mean, surely he can't be the one. I mean, this guy's been looked down upon for a while. And so his brother tells him, I, I know the pride in your heart. I know the insolence in your heart. All you want to do is come out and watch this battle. What are you doing, you little brat? Why do you think that you can come down here? And David said to his brother, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And right after that, Saul says, you're way too young. You can't do this. There are going to be people in your family, there are going to be friends who tell you that you can't follow after the cause, that you can't make a difference because of who you were, where you came from, what's happened in your life. It's not true. There are going to be authorities in your life, maybe people who, 
who are your boss, or maybe there's government, employee, uh, government officials or whatever that may There are going to be people in your life who, in the ranks of, of, of authority, you're below them, and they may be telling you, you're too young, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this, you're not allowed to do this. And there are times when listening to the wisdom of our family and friends is important, and, and following after people who are leading us as, as as Christian men and women, we're supposed to walk in authority, that we're supposed to understand the authority that they have over us. But it stops when the things that they say, the things that they ask of you, the things that they tell you contradict the cause. See, when, when, when his brother told him, you need to get out of here, he said, there's a cause. I'm not going anywhere. I don't care if you're my older brother. I don't care if you can send me on my way. I'm not leaving. There's a cause. When Saul said, you're way too young, you can't do this, he said, I don't care what you think, I'm going to do this because there's a cause. And the, the cause in your life causes some things to happen, and you end up in some places if you'll go after the cause. The first thing you have to recognize and realize about this cause, and David, you know, I mean, he, he realizes this, it's the idea that says the cause is greater than you. And I'm not talking about the cause that God has put in your life and created you for. I'm talking about the cause that we have all been put in this earth and created for. And that's to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ all throughout the earth to make disciples and to bring people into the kingdom of God, to set at liberty those who are held captive just as Jesus did, to bring recovery of sight to the blind and healing to those who are sick. That, that's, that's, our, that's, our, that's our number one job as believers and part of his family. We can want, we, um, listen, now this is important because we're, we're kind of like this as a, as a country and as a people. We can want all the benefits but not want to put up any of the sacrifice. And, and, and we, that don't work. That doesn't work in life, but it sure doesn't work spiritually in our lives. That you, you can't have the goods without the sacrifice. You can't have his life unless you lay down yours but I deserve it. No, you don't. He died for you, and he gave you a choice to have a better situation and a better life, but he requires that you and I lay down ours. Freedom and advancement always comes with sacrifice. The cause is bigger than David. He realizes that. He understands, okay, look, I've been anointed king. I understand that, but there is a cause here, and he told his brother, and he told Saul, listen, I am going because somebody has to stand up to this guy, not because he has come against me, not because he has just come against us, but because he has come against God. He is making, he, he is, he is making a fool of God, of his name. He's defaming him. He's defiling him. He's bringing repro reproach upon the children of Israel and the army of God. He's doing all of that. The men, the men who were there, the army and Saul, they were scared for their life. David was fearful for the reputation in the name of God, the fear of the Lord. He wasn't scared for his life, but all the men, it says, they were dismayed. They were afraid. They ran and hid. They were Freddy cats, but David wasn't. He wasn't afraid for his life. He was worried about the reputation and the name of God, and he was not going to let, he was not about to let anybody come against that. Not this uncircumcised Philistine or all the Philistines that are with him. It's not going to happen. There's a cause. And can you imagine your little brother looking up at you and saying, you little chicken. If you won't do it, I'll go. There's a cause. That's what, I mean, that's what he told his brother. I'm going. If you don't, I don't care. 
And in our country today, we have lost track of or, or, or lost touch of that sacrifice that comes along with freedom. We are a, if I want it, I can have it. If I feel like it, I will. If I don't feel like it, I won't. And if somebody comes against you, you say this, this is a free country, and I can do whatever I please in my house in this country. But that's the way we do, that's the way we do it, right? When, it's, it's coming, when somebody's asking us or telling us or, or we have to get in, involved in something that we don't want to be involved in, we get real quick to assert our rights as citizens of this country. But listen, those rights were paid for by the sacrifice of somebody else. And if those rights are going to continue to be yours, they need to be sacrificed by you. And spiritually in your life, the rights that you receive according to the word of God, the life that you receive according to the blood of Jesus Christ came from a sacrifice. Somebody else sacrificed for you to have that. And then what he's asked of us is to go forward in that freedom, to remain in that freedom, that abundant life, but to share it with the people who are around us by sacrificing. We're not necessarily a group that is into that. To a certain extent we are, as long as we don't have to be uncomfortable. We're into sacrifice as long as we don't have to sacrifice. I'm all for it, as long as you're doing it. Right? I mean, that's, I'm all for sacrifice as long as somebody else does it and I get the rewards. And it doesn't work that way in here. The rewards come to him who sacrifices. Jesus said in his word, pick up your cross and follow me. He wasn't saying just pick it up and then sit back down. He said, pick it up and follow me. Walk the walk. Not just talk the talk, walk the walk. The disciples liked to pretend that they were all that and then some. And he said, listen, not a one of you guys has left father, sister, brothers, and mothers, and family, and friends, and reputation, and job, and life. Have you done that? And they're like, uh, I thought I did. He said, come and follow me. And he said, I got to go bury my father first. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. Come and follow me. Not callous, but, but speaking to the cause and the price that has to be paid for the cause. Listening to family and friends, sacrificing for family and friends, loving family and friends, all those things are great. But listen, when family and friends come in between you and the cause, that's a problem. No different than money coming in between you and the cause. When the country, when governments come in between you and the cause, that's a problem. Pastor Bill years ago preached the message around 4th of July that said, stand up, speak up, and act up. That as a person in this country, we have a right to, to worship, and we have a right to freedom of speech just like everybody else. And I'm glad they can worship whoever they want, worship a rock, a tree, I don't care what you worship, but do you not infringe upon my ability and my need to worship my God? Then we're going to have a problem. If you want to claim freedom of religion, fantastic. Stay away from mine then. Don't you come oppress me in my country. If I want to worship a rock, I'll worship a rock. You can't stop me from doing that. If I want to worship God, I'm going to worship God. Now, we've gotten to a place in this society because generations have kind of let go a little at a time of the things that the other generations held dear. And our our society is kind of just disintegrated morally along those lines. 
I don't have history lessons or any of that kind of time today, but you know, I mean, it's no prayer in school, taking the Ten Commandments out of courthouse. Boy, we're up in arms. We'll do something about it. Well, I don't know if I can really do anything about it. What's one voice? I don't the cause. Remember the cause. See, there's all those things that are happening. There's abortion that we face and homosexual rights with marriage and different things. And then there's, there's, there's murder and there's these mass murders and terrorism and, and destruction like the tornado and the hurricane. All these things have come against our country. And it's the enemy. But the church isn't getting riled up. The church is running around like these children of Israel, the army and Saul, saying, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Look what's coming, look what's out there. We can't do anything about that. And David said, is there not a cause? And today I'll ask you that same thing. Is there not a cause? Did Jesus not say we have a purpose and there is a cause for us in this earth? The cause is bigger than you and it's bigger than me. And that selfishness that sometimes we feel in our life, it leads to pride. And pride's a problem. David may have done a bunch of crazy stuff. You know, I mean, he slept with some other guy's wife, had him killed danced around like a lunatic sometimes, always acted a little bit of a fool. But listen, he was humble. Kind of hard to believe when he slept with another guy's wife and killed him. But he always came back and fell on his sword before God. He was known as a man after God's heart. See, because sin can be forgiven, God can do that. Weaknesses can be strengthened, God can do that by his grace. But pride and humility can only be put down and picked up by you and me. God can't knock pride out of you and stuff humility in you. See, he can take care of sin, he can take care of weakness, but pride has to be put down by us and humility has to be put on by us. The second thing that we go through and we, took, we look at, or at least I saw when I came in here, was this idea that says opportunity comes. The cause brings opportunity. In this country, we were once known a long time ago as the land of opportunity. With David, think about it this way. He was a shepherd one day. The next day, he defeats Goliath because of the cause, and he becomes a hero. And then through walking out that process after that, he became king. Well, he was supposed to be king. He was anointed, yes, but he was anointed as a shepherd, and he sure as heck better stood up to Goliath if he was ever going to be a hero and then ever think that he was going to be the king. You just don't go from shepherd to king just because God said. There are sacrifices and there are situations, and the cause is in between shepherding and being a king. And David was a shepherd until he grabbed hold of the cause. He said, is there not a cause? Went out and slew Goliath. They, they, they captured, they took care of the Philistines. And all of a sudden, he became a national hero. And David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. After he had grabbed hold of the cause. Not the purpose for his life, because he could have sat there as a shepherd and said, oh, i got to be king someday. i got to be king someday. I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king someday, telling his sheep. I'm going to be king someday. But I, I, I'm going to be king. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be king. <laughs> you could have had that conversation. He went to battle, and he could have said, ooh, that's a big guy out there. I'm going to stay here. Nope, he went closer and went closer and went closer. Then when he realized nobody else was going to do anything and that this guy was coming against his God, the God who created him and put those children of Israel in this earth as his chosen people to go in and to conquer and to take care of and live in the promised land in abundance, he was hot. Is there not a cause? Give me some rocks. Rocks. Slingshot. 
I'm telling you, there is opportunity that follows the cause. Another thing that comes after the cause, not just opportunity, but resources. It says that if, if, if somebody slays Goliath, if somebody takes care of the cause, what will they get? Riches. The king's daughter, hopefully she's hot. I mean, you know, that, that wouldn't be a prize. And no taxes. That's important. Finances. Resources all come because you did what? You looked after the cause. Think about the notable people. See, greatness comes with the cause. The notable people that you know, that if I asked you to think about some people in this country who are who really, they're great. They did great things in this country, or they're very notable. or They're, they're attached to a cause, not because they're a great baseball I bet nobody thought of a great baseball player. We think of people like Martin Luther King, Jr., See, we think about people like Lincoln, Columbus, the founding fathers. They were attached to what? A cause. The founding fathers, when they, when they signed that Declaration of Independence, they said, look, we are putting our entire fortune, lives, who we are, and reputations on the line as we sign this thing today. I don't care what happens to me. I believe in the cause. They're attached to a cause. Jesus in John 18, 37, she's going to put this up here. Pilate was talking to him and didn't understand this. He said, look, are you not going to play the game with me? Because I have the ability to let you go. I mean, what is going on here? And he says to him, Pilate says, are you really a king? And Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. Sacrifice. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. That everyone who hears my voice or hears the truth hears my voice. And we're put in this earth after him to bear witness of the truth. You have been put in this earth for a cause. Resources come. Greatness, notability comes with the cause. Opportunity comes with the cause. We are the land of opportunity. People used to come to this country for a hope, for a cause, I was reading about people who came to this country and started businesses and different things and, and where they found themselves in their situations before they got here. There was a guy who came from Sweden on a boat and he came over here with five bucks in his pocket. But he had a desire in his heart to be part of what was going on in the land of opportunity. He had a cause. I'm not saying his cause was, was spreading the gospel. His, his cause was to be something great, but greatness follows the cause. Opportunity follows the cause. He said, this is the land of opportunity. I'm going there. And he struggled, and he worked hard. Think about it. He worked hard. We've got a lot of people in this country that won't work. Jesus didn't call lazy people. He called people who had jobs. They were a fisherman. They were a tax collector. They, they had jobs. He didn't call the lazy. If you're sitting around waiting in the house for somebody to come knock on your door and give you a check or give you a job, get out and make getting a job your job. Maybe not you. Maybe some other services. That was for first and second service <laughs> but he called folks with the job i mean he got people people that get stuff done get stuff done he said i want these guys who are fishing i want these guys who aren't afraid of work i want these guys who aren't afraid of getting their hands dirty i want these guys who aren't afraid to do the business that needs to be done to propagate the cause so this guy comes and he works his tail off in a couple years he's saved thirteen thousand dollars back then that's a ton of cash 
And then he takes that money and he buys a little shoe store. And the little shoe store is kind of successful, and then he gets another store. And then he gets another store. His name's John Nordstrom. And he's the founder of Nordstrom's. Large stores all across the country. $9.4 billion in revenue a few years ago. Five bucks and a cause. A guy named William Proctor came to this country from London after his business had burned to the ground and everything else he had got stolen. He had his wife and nothing. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing. All he had was a good thing. And they came to this country. And on the East Coast, they weren't making it, but they saw there was a new land of opportunity opening up in the West. So they started heading toward that land of opportunity with with a call, with a purpose, with a cause to be successful. Ended up in St. Louis when his wife got sick and she died. Here with nothing, business burned, been stolen from, and now his wife's dead. But the dream never stopped. The cause didn't quit. He hung on to the cause and continued to plug away. He got remarried to a girl who was a sister of this other girl who was married to a guy named Gamble. And somebody said, you two ought to go into business together. And they said, that's a pretty good idea. Now, this is late 1800s, and they they got together, and they started Procter & Gamble. And today, 67% of every human being on the earth somehow is touched by Procter & Gamble products. 4.4 billion out of seven. I'm telling you, opportunity, revenue, resources, greatness, they follow the cause. Are you following the cause? The third thing, not just the fact that it's bigger than us, and that opportunity follows the cause. The third thing's a little bit more touchy. The cause isn't always convenient. The church needs to encourage herself and put on the gift of inconvenience. If it's convenient, we'll do it. But if it's not convenient, I'm not sure. That even comes to working in the church. Whether it be the nursery or ushering. We call people, you want to be in the nursery? And we're, ah, you know what, I just, I'm kind of tired of that. I'm going to just be in service. Okay. The church is about the cause. Being involved in the church is being about the cause. If that means sitting here, great. If that means serving somewhere, better. Because you're putting your hand to the plow of the cause. See, in the church, we've got it a little bit backwards. Over these years, we've had great preachers, we've had great anointed messages come forth, and we as believers have realized that we've got it together. And so when the altar call comes, we're like, oh, it's time to go. This is the, that's when we start thinking about the exodus, it's time to leave. The altar call is supposed to be the greatest and best time in a church service. That's why we're here. But it's become the thing when we say stand up, people start slipping out the back and leaving and going, well, I want to beat the traffic. I got to get to lunch. I got to get out of here. I'm okay. I don't need that. So, But somebody else might, and you might be the instrument that helps that happen through intercession. Praying for the person next to you, whatever that might be. Agreeing with the pastor as he throws the net. That souls are going to come into the kingdom of God. Well, why is that important? I'm already saved. It isn't about you. It's the call. It's not always convenient. 
Now, I, I'm kind of half preaching to the choir here. You've got to realize. You guys are all like, you're, man, you're, you're in it. You're givers. You make a difference. When, the, when there's a need, it gets met. I mean, I don't have any worry when I talk to my friend Terry. I don't have any worry about saying, yes, yeah, sir, we'll send you some cash. It'll be, it'll be a nice check. Don't worry about it. Our people, are, they're generous. They want to be a part of what God's doing in this earth, whether it's saving people, helping people, bringing diapers and water or whatever. Our people love to be involved in that kind of stuff. Don't worry about it. But see, we've lost sight of what it means to sacrifice, I think. Now, if you're of that, that greatest generation, that World War II depression coming out of depression into World War II generation or your kids of that group, you got a little idea what it means to sacrifice. We're, we live in a different society today, and, and my group and the groups beyond me, they, we don't really know. I mean, we know some sacrifice, but we don't. It's probably because our parents were divorced and we didn't have a lot of money. So that, to us, that's sacrifice. <laughs> in World War II, they rationed stuff. Well, what's that mean? That means you didn't get stuff. But I'm a citizen. I have a right to that. It doesn't matter. You gave it up for the cause. They rationed cars. You didn't get a new car. They rationed tires. You didn't get new tires. They rationed clothes and shoes. You mean I can't have new shoes? I deserve new shoes. Doesn't matter. Nike's sending them to the war. You don't get new cars because the metal needs to be used for the cause. You don't get new tires because the rubber needs to be used for the cause. Everybody sacrificed, not just overseas fighting the war, but in this country sacrificed for what? The cause. Coffee was rationed. That makes everybody nervous today. Could you imagine going into Starbucks and saying, I want my my latte. Sorry, we don't have coffee today. We sent it all to the troops. Are you kidding me? This is America. I've got $5. I need my soy latte. No foam, double whip. Whatever that means. Is that, is that real? I don't know. Okay, good. But I deserve that. I'm sorry, you can't have that. What do you mean? See, we, that, that is like foreign to us. They ration sugar. They ration nylons and butter and people did without. Why? The cause. They went to work for the cause. Women went to work in the factories. Students went to work for the cause. Retired people came back into the workforce. Why? The cause. I want to do my part for the cause. Now listen, good things come out of that. During that time in this country, while those guys were serving and we were rationing things as a country and people were tightening the belts, they were saving money because the government said, save money and buy war bonds for the cause. We have to finance the cause. And what happened was those war bonds became valuable when the war was over and everybody came back. They had saved money because the the government said, save your money. Put it in the bank, buy war bonds, save your money. And they did. And you know what? When those guys all came back, there was, they weren't in debt. They weren't living outside their means. They understood what it meant to sacrifice for something. They understood what it meant to pay cash for something. Why? Because they had tightened their belts and they had decided that we are going to do whatever it takes for the cause. And what follows that? Opportunity. The world began to explode right here in America. Businesses, entrepreneurship started blasting out all over the place. Resources, people had more money than they knew kind of what to do with. My grandpa came back from the war and there was money, he bought a house. I could either get a business or a house. I bought a house. 
Why? Well, because the people here had saved. They'd scrimped. They'd put together. And they sacrificed for the cause. The last part, real quick. The cause comes with giants. You can't avoid the giants. But Jesus said you can overcome them. You won't be able to avoid them. But you can overcome them. Think about Caleb and Joshua as they spied out the land and came back. The other spies said, we can't go in there because of the giants. The descendants of Anak are there. It is good land, promised land, full of milk and honey, just like God said, but the giants are there. God knew that. But Caleb and Joshua didn't say the giants were there. Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able. And David, as he ends this particular situation and scenario in verse 34, said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and I killed it. I'm no little boy who doesn't know anything. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this, not this giant, this uncircumcised Philistine, this nothing that stands in, this guy stands in reproach to God and he's nothing. He's just an uncircumcised Philistine. I don't care that he's nine foot. I don't care that he has a big old spear with 15 pound top. I don't care that he's wearing 125 pounds worth of armor. Listen, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. He is beneath us. That was news because the rest of them were all scared of the giant. But realize, he didn't talk to the giant. He spoke badly of the man. He's an uncircumcised Philistine, and he stands in in the way and in reproach and in defiance of the God of Israel, and that will not happen. There's a cause. And he says, Moreover, David said, after he talked about the uncircumcised Philistine, he said, He'll be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. I don't want to hold you back. Go, and the Lord be with you. And we already knew God was with him. That's what he just said. I'm telling you, the Lord is with you. Go. Be about the Father's business. Be about the cause. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.